Thank you for joining us. In today's world, we as grandparents and great-grandparents play major roles in the lives of our grandchildren and great-grandchildren. The question is, what are we doing to influence their lives? Much is said about the financial, healthcare, and elder care impact upon the world. Yet very little is said about the priority of establishing a solid spiritual legacy to be passed down from generation to generation and leave it to God to take care of the rest. Listen with Bible, pen, and paper handy as Pastor Rander ministers to us. Well, we're in part three of the series on depression. If you turn to our theme text coming from Psalms 42, 11, and then we'll proceed from there. Psalms 42, 11 says, Why am I discouraged? Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? Why? Why? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. I want to preach again on victory over depression in a troubled world. And when we look around and see what's happening in our nation, it's really enough to depress you. (laughs) And if you allow yourself to be consumed by it and it becomes all-encompassing to you, you will find yourself right in depression. It's most disturbing when you see things that are going on that's Uh, antithetical to what the scripture actually has to say. And uh, there are some long-term effects if we don't get our act together as a nation. What are God's remedies for depression? It is at epidemic proportion. You have children who are depressed, preteens who are depressed, teenagers who are depressed. You have young adults, older adults, and some even to the point of becoming suicidal. No one is exempt from it, and yet so many are good, as a matter of fact, very good at hiding it. And so oftentimes when God brings me into series like this, he just don't let me go on one message. You say, why? Because he wants to massage the hearts of his people through his word so that we can be healed and made whole to the glory of God. What are God's remedies for depression? Number one, you cannot adequately deal with depression unless you have the assurance of your salvation. You must know without a doubt that you're saved without a doubt. Romans 10, 13 says, for whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That, my friend, you can't just hope you're saved and kind of kind of think you're saved. You have to know without a doubt. You have to believe the very words of God. You call on God crying out from the depths of your heart that you are a sinner and that you, that you are lost and you are in need of a Savior and you believe in his death, our Lord's death, burial and resurrection, and you come with a spirit of contrition crying out to him for salvation. He will save you right where you are. Your intellectualism cannot save you. Your position cannot save you. Your knowledge cannot save you. Your popularity cannot save you. 
your self-worth cannot save you. Only God saves from the guttermost to the uttermost. John chapter 15, verse 5c says, for without me, you can do nothing. You can't save yourself. If you could, then that would negate our Lord's work on the cross. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 also says, he has delivered, he has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the son he loves. I love that particular passage, how powerful it is. If we're truly saved, we're saved because we've been rescued. We've been delivered from the power of darkness. You must first be delivered from the power of darkness, delivered from the power and bondage of sin and Satan through Christ alone before you can be healed of your depression. Because without God, there is no healing. The way to be healed from depression is to cry out to God by faith for deliverance, for salvation, and then to deal with the issue of depression in your life once you've been saved by the mercy and grace of God. Secondly, you cannot gain victory over depression until you acknowledge that you are depressed and refused to live in denial. You have to acknowledge it. You, know, you start to hide it, pretend it is not there, and suppressing it. You have to actually confront it, acknowledge it. Psalms 139, 23 through 24 says, search me. In other words, look deep within my heart, O God. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Nobody knows your heart, your heart like God. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me. And I guarantee we'll find wickedness in all of us. <laughs> There's enough wickedness for us to repent in each of us from the youngest to the eldest and lead me in the way everlasting. The psalmist in this verse got honest with God and himself. Only when you are transparent with God, when you come clean before God, will you be able to deal adequately with your issue. The psalmist in this verse got honest with God and himself and had an inner desire for God to purge anything that was wicked in him. Harboring wickedness uh, is not of God. And God needs to purge that out of us so as not to hinder the healing process of depression. This is so critical for our spiritual and physical healing. Thirdly, guard against isolation and inactivity. Guard against isolation and inactivity. Be determined to take on special projects that are of interest to you and complete them. If you don't complete them, then you only add into your, your depression. Some folks are good starters, but they're not good completers. <laughs> go, go. You leave everything you start half done, and you look at, look at all these half done projects and you fall into depression. Guard against isolation and inactivity. Be determined to take on special projects that are of interest to you and complete them. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10a says, Whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your might. Do it all your might. Don't half do it. Whatever you do in the church, whatever you do for the Lord, whatever you do on your jobs, in the community, uh, for your family, do it with all of your heart, with all your might. God created us to be productive, not to be eternally shut in, in some kind of cocoon, 
uh, in, the, in a bedroom 12 months out of a year. God created us to be productive in life, having no goals, no dreams, no plans. A vision for your life is the surest way to end up in depression. Where are your goals? What are your goals? Where do you dream? Are you a dreamer? Why not? It's just a pandemic. Folk are dying. Folk are sick. The country's in a bad place. That doesn't stop you from dreaming. Matter of fact, you need to dream to get your mind off that stuff. Ask God to give you a plan from him. Ask God to give you a fresh vision from him for your life. If not, you'll end up in depression because you'll end up 40, 50, 60, 80 years old with nothing to show for it. Number four, learn to hear God for yourself and not allow your children, grandchildren, or anyone else to control your life by being overprotective to the detriment of your own mental health. Now that's, that's critical. Learn to hear God for yourself and not allow your children, grandchildren, your uncle, your grandma, your nephew, your cousin, Anyone else to control your life uh, by being overprotective, saying, you know you have this condition, you know, you know what you have. You know better than they, and God knows. Uh, don't let someone perpetually shut you in where you do nothing for 12 long months. You mean to tell me if God, I'm praying that God would end this and give us a new normal, whatever it's going to be. But I tell you what, Whatever that new normal is, I'm going to keep, keep being visionary and, and be a little more assertive in wisdom and in discernment within the capacity with which I can do it and not allow the voices of those who mean well to bring on mental health issues within me. Okay? So they, they can be so protective of you until they, they make you mentally unhealthy while they themselves go everywhere and take all kind of risks. And you sitting down, going under, going under, going under. Where are you going? I'm going here. I'm going there. You stay home. Don't you get out of bed. The air conditioning man cut the fix out. Air conditioning. Get on the other side of the room. Put your mask on and breathe, you know. <laughs> Psalm 73. Psalm 73 uh, verses 23 and 24 says, nevertheless, I am continually with you. Whether you got an underlying condition, whether you have physical ailments, he's with you. You, the scripture says, you hold me by my right hand. Take my hand, Lord. I like this, that old song that said, precious Lord. Take my hand, lead me on. Y'all know the song. You sing it with me. Help me stand. I'm weak. I'm tired. I'm, okay, I'm talking to him. I'm worn through the storms. We've, 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 we're in some storms right now, y'all. Through the night, lead me on. What? To the light. You, verse 24, you guide me with your counsel and afterward receive me 
to glory. After you've lived your life to the fullest, after you've run your race, then, Lord, receive me to glory. And I have an inner longing to hear you say, servant, well done. Allow the Holy Spirit to guide you through the activities of your life. Allow the Holy Spirit to lead you to be the voice in your life through the scripture and through insights. Number five, number five, be willing to seek biblical counseling if necessary. All of us don't need counseling. We'll we'll overflow the place. But some people really do. And if necessary, it's nothing wrong with seeking biblical counseling from those who will give you Bible-based counseling to the glory of God and refuse to go it alone. Proverbs eleven fourteen says, where there is no guidance, the people fall. Some issues in your life, perhaps mentally, physically, what emotionally are so huge that you need additional help. The scripture says, but in abundance of counselors, there is victory. You are wise indeed if you use every godly resource. You notice I didn't say every resource, every godly resource. You know, you don't go to psychics to help you with your <laughs> depression. You know, you don't go to astrology and all these things. Every godly means, every godly resource at your disposal to gain victory over your depression. You go to the wrong resources, you'll just compound your issues. Your best counsel can also come from those who have been right where you are. Your best counsel can come to you, can come from those who've been right where you are, and they're able to minister to you most effectively in time of need because they've been there. And they're so spiritually refreshing. Number six, in dealing with depression, unconfessed sins will bring on depression. Unconfessed sins will bring on depression. Uh, Psalms 32, one through five says, blessed is he whose transgressions is forgiven. When God forgive your sins, you are blessed. You can only have favor from God when you have dealt with your sins before God. You are blessed when your sins are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Covered with what? The blood of Jesus. Blesses the man or woman who, to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Listen, being deceitful, being a schemer, huh, will drive you into depression. Blessed is the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Stop trying to manipulate. Try, stop trying to deceive. Stop trying to get over. Stop trying to be controlling. Stop trying to be God to all people. And in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent, and you know, in, in other words, I w- wouldn't repent. My bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. 
sin, listen, sin is a burden that you can't handle. And that bur- the burden of sin gets heavier and heavier until it literally wipes you out, wipes out your body, your mind. It makes your soul sick and, and you're in a downward spiral in life. I like this, my vitality. You say, what is vitality? That's my energy. Sin saps your energy. Vitality. Sin saps your strength. Vitality. Sin saps your life. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. It just dried up. Selah. I like that word, selah. You'll see that in many passages of the Psalms. You'll see selah. The psalmist is saying, Why don't you just pause right there and think about that? Don't move on. Just reflect on it. Just think on it. Selah, verse 5, I acknowledge my sin. I deal with my sins every day. If I'm walking, if I'm praying in the morning, noon, night, I'm dealing with Randall Earl Draper Sr. I don't have time to be into what you're doing. I got enough issues of my own. Do I have a a witness here? (laughs) I mean... I don't need to be all over the place trying to find out what's going on in everybody else's life, trying to figure out everybody else's issue. Listen, I got enough issue. I like that old song. It's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. I acknowledge my sin. He personalized this thing. Somebody else is always trying to pick the speck out of somebody's eye, and they got a big log in their own one. I acknowledge my sins to you, God. And my iniquity, that's another word for sin, I have not hidden. I, I gave it up. I, 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 I trusted you. I told you about it. I didn't try to hide from you. What can you hide from God anyway? You might can hide things from people, but you can't hide from Almighty God. I said, I will confess. That means to acknowledge my transgressions to the Lord. And you, when you get right and you're honest and you're contrite, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Selah. Why don't you pause and think about that? Therefore, it is critical that you confess your sins so that you can experience forgiveness. You cannot experience forgiveness without confession of sins. When you confess your sins, you'll be a better husband, a better father, a better grandparent, a better co-worker, a better servant in the church. And you will have freedom in Christ, the likes of which you've never seen because that load is uplifted because God has forgiven you. Let me tell you something about unconfessed sin. Unconfessed sin steals your joy. That's why folk can't shout. They can't sing. They won't open a Bible and read. They won't write anything. You say, why? They're spiritually dry. The joy of the Lord is nowhere around them. You know, they laugh. You say, what's so funny? Unconfessed sin steals your joy, your motivation, your motivation to come to church, your motivation to, to live life to the fullest. You know, what, you know what sin does? It ages, it ages your body. It makes you look old before your time. Sin will eat you up. Did you hear what I just said? Sin will eat you up. Verse 3a, there is a text. 
which says, my bones grew old. Age and I've seen some people, um, they're just 32, 35, and they look like they're 65. And I've seen some folks 65 look like they're 45 or 50 at most. You know, I've seen some young folk look so old because life is beat. Sin beats you up. When you look around, they have no teeth. They, they have no dignity. They have no self-worth. They look all dried up in the face. You can just see the ravages and ruins of sin all over them. I have some kinfolk like that. And when I go back to my high school reunions, I see folk who have been beat up. And those are the ones I minister to. Don't be afraid to go back. <laughs> That's the time you should go back into your past. Some of you don't want to go back into your past because you haven't done nothing today, you know. But, but sometimes God will put people, I never will forget. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for bringing me uh, this, this, this insight. Uh, I, I graduated from Cashman High School back in 1971. And so I was on uh, on program, and, um, and once I finished, and I was we were there a good length of time at a reunion. I don't recall which one it is. I've been out of high school a long time. So I decided to step outside to get a breath of fresh air just for a moment, just to have some quiet time, just for a few minutes, just to get away. And as I was outside, uh, one of my uh, uh, friends from yesteryear came out, and I looked at him. And he looked beat up and tired and worn. There's a tear in his eye. He said, I've had a hard life. It's been tough. And he began to pour out his life. But, but he said, Drape, that's what they would let him call me. I'm so proud of you. I heard what you're doing down in South. See, people know about you. You don't, have to, you don't have to be your own announcer. <laughs> if you're doing well, people will say that, that again for you in your favor. And if you're doing bad, they're talking, that, that, they'll get, that'll be found out too, you know. But both sides, just hope, hope it's a good report. In my case, it was a good report. He said, I hear what you're doing in San Antonio. Man, I remember when we were just boys and the classes and PE and all that. And I hear what you're doing down in the church and how you're traveling. And he just looked and just said, I am so proud of you. And I just looked at him and I gave him words of comfort, encouragement. Sin had aged him, made him look so much older before his time. Sin also breaks your fellowship with Christ. You know, now, you always have a relationship with Christ if you're generally born again, but you can have a relationship, but your fellowship is broken. And then you, ha- then you need a restoration of fellowship. Sin breaks your fellowship with Christ. It brings on depression and brings on divine chastening from God. That's what it'll do. Therefore, repent. Get in right standing with God, which lifts the spirit of depression. Get, get it right standard. You know, when you're walking with God and got favor with God, you may not even have much money, but, but you can look nice and look decent and have self-worth and dignity, and God will just make you look good even when you don't have much. 
And folk, sometimes folk are jealous, think you have a whole life. It's not that you have so much. It's just that God's favor is on you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You got God's favor. They think you've got a whole lot, and they don't know. You're just breaking even. <laughs> you're just breaking even. <laughs> hey! God's favor, that's, that's what I want. You can have this world, but give me Jesus. <laughs> Number seven, accept the things in life you cannot change and give them to Jesus. Accept the things in life you cannot change and give them to Jesus. First Peter 5, 7 says, throw all your worry on him, on Christ. All your anxieties, all your burdens, all your fears, all your worries upon him because he cares for you. Why? Why does he care for you? You are his prized possession. You are his child. You are in him and he is in you. You're a child of the Most High King. I like the translation that says, throw all. Don't leave, not an itsy-bitsy one. Throw all of your burdens, your anxieties, your care. Throw them on him and don't pick them up and take them back. Depression comes as a result of trying to change something that only God can handle. The Word of God says that wisdom and understanding belong to the old, and He commands us to let our lights shine among our children and grandchildren. Truly, it is time for grandparents to rise and shine for Christ in troubling times. By loving and patiently setting the spiritual tone for our families, we can make a difference and change will come. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit www.maranathasa.org where you will find an archive of audio messages, service times, directions to the church, upcoming events, and much more. You can also reach us at 210-821-5683. Maranatha Bible Church is located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas 78109, directly across from Randolph Air Force Base. 